Welcome to the RC Plane Lab Podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Happy belated Halloween. That was last week. I know. Hot off the heels of the Halloween episode. How's everybody tonight? <laughs> Doing fine. <laughs> and you? I'm kind of in a candy coma. I mean, so we weren't home to pass out Halloween candy. So I just went ahead and ate all the Halloween candy myself. You were out here, actually, on Halloween. I know. I ate it the day after. <laughs> no, it was nice. You guys came out, and uh, we smoked a, a rack of ribs on the smoker. Yeah. You, and, you know what they <laughs> reminded me of? I mean, so I've never done beef ribs before. And these were like the full rack, not short ribs. They remind me of the Flintstones Remember that cartoon? Oh, yeah. And when Fred was, you know, in the car and they put that rack of ribs on the side of the car and it fell out. Yeah, that's how big these these ribs were. They were large. Well, maybe you're you're not remembering it exactly correct because you were asleep when we ate them. <laughs> so you prepared the ribs and you gave me the instructions for I cooking did. them. I did. Um, you told me they'll take about five hours about to cook. five hours, yeah. Put them on the smoker at 11 in the morning. Yes. I dutifully did that. You did. It you was followed a, instructions perfectly. 11.02, I closed the door on the smoker, and they were on there. We ate at 1.30 in the in morning. 1.30 Yeah, in that's the morning. when they were done. I'm so glad. Like, we, we had thrown the pork loin on there um, just to have as leftovers for us since we were firing up the smoker anyway. Um, and that's what we had for dinner. Good thing, yeah, good thing you did that because <laughs> that was an epic fail on my part. Oh, that is too funny. Well, I mean, I yeah. I had never done beef ribs before on the smoker, and so now I know <laughs> to treat them just like everything else I put on the smoker, uh, roughly two hours per pound. Yeah. <laughs> one thirty in the morning. Yeah. Five hours was very optimistic. Uh, well, yeah. Over double that. Yep. Double plus two Do- still. Fourteen <laughs> and a half hours. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. But they were good. Okay. They were okay. So... Just this evening before heading out here, Lori opened up the other rack, you know, because we took that whole other rack home. Yeah. Because nobody was hungry at nobody 1.30 was hungry in the morning. in the morning after snacking all night. <laughs> uh, so she took, yeah, she opened them up uh, just before I came out and uh, she said she sliced it into one and it was not as fatty as the other ones. Oh, So okay. I'm wondering if maybe there's a certain portion of the rack of ribs from a no from clue. beef that might be, I don't know. But they actually looked really like ribs. Should look. <laughs> not just full of... I mean, they tasted good, but there was a lot of fat in them. I'm not a big fan of all the fat. Yeah. I mean, I can handle some, but that was... Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, the well, flavor was good. Well, this is the RC Plane Lab podcast. Yeah, not, not the, the smoking, uh, smoking podcast. podcast. But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to bring it up that, you know, you told me five hours and we didn't eat till one thirty in the morning. Yes, Ron. You like to point <laughs> out when I'm wrong and I will... Gladly own it because you did exactly as I 
asked you to do. No, you know what? It's stories like that that you look back on and you laugh at. <laughs> I will remember that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I'll hear about it for a long time. Oh, you will. <laughs> our, so Sierra, that, our Sierra planes, what do we got? Or, well, I'm means, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, the Halloween episode, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I, I had a good time with that. So did I. Um, and it got me thinking, right? So the holidays are coming and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be kind of cool? We could do something special maybe every holiday. So the next holiday is Thanksgiving. So it got me thinking, you know, hey, wouldn't it be kind of neat to talk about, you know, what what I'm thankful for, you know, as far as uh, the hobby is concerned, you know, friends and, and uh, good times at the field, things like that. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be neat, in Tom's opinion, refer to myself in the third person, um, wouldn't it be neat if uh, if some of our listeners maybe called us and or reached out to us and let us know what they're thankful for. So maybe be thinking about that and getting a hold of us and let us know. Maybe we'll talk about that on the on the show. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Ron thinks that's a good idea too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can uh, you can get a hold of us, you know, like all the ways we've we've talked about, uh, you can text us or leave us a voicemail at one eight one eight three five one nine eight four six. Uh you can email us ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also log on to our, or get onto our website and click that cool contact us link and uh, you can get a hold of us that way too. I'd love to hear about uh, what you guys are all thankful for and we'll, you know, we'll talk about it on maybe a Thanksgiving special. Yeah, that'd be fun. If we can do that, we'll do a, uh, uh, yeah, just what you said. We'll do a, <laughs> a Thanksgiving special. There you go. I had nothing to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can think of several things that I'm thankful for. I won't talk about them now, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, some kind of, Little Thanksgiving special might be fun. Yeah. And, we'll you know, Thanksgiving that. wouldn't be too early to talk about maybe things you might be wanting for Christmas. So we could do like maybe a Christmas special too. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, you're planning this whole thing out, aren't you? Well, I like the, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the holidays. Yeah. Most, mostly because I get time off from work and I can work on airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> that is what Christmas is all about. <laughs> Working on airplanes, right? <laughs> oh, speaking of airplanes, what have you worked on? Hey, so I got some stuff done on the Duelist. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was out for Halloween, mm-hmm. and uh, you were nice enough to cut the remainder cut the remainder of my um, of my parts for me, for my nacelles and my fuselage formers. Mm-hmm. So I took those home in my hot little hands, and uh, the next day I actually built my nacelles and uh, kind of fitted them to the wing, not permanently yet. But uh, the fit is really good. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy with how they fit. Um, so it's going to require a minimum of reshaping of, of the cutouts and stuff. So, Yeah, they should have fit pretty well because, uh, like I said, yours were cut off of the plans I cut for your wing. Yep. Because the, the wing you have was not cut off the redrawn plans that I did. Gotcha. So they're not perfectly symmetrical and don't line up as well as mine do. <laughs> but, uh, but they line up pretty good. They do. They do. But mine would not fit on yours, and yours would not fit on mine very right, well. Right. So well, it, the, it makes sense. And to the do it cutout, that way. the cutout on the nacelle formers matches perfectly or nearly perfectly the rib that it sits over because it was actually it used the rib profile to make that cutout. Yes, I did. Yeah. So and then um, I added the thirty seconds of an inch. Or, right for the sheeting. Yeah. Whatever it ended yep, up being. Yep. Three yeah. thirty seconds times two. On, yeah. Times two. So. Yeah, uh, it uh, did. It fit really good. And they both actually, like when I slid them on and they slid them till they stopped, you know, till the friction made them stop, mm-hmm. I measured from the center to the inside edge of each one. And guess what? 
I they hope were, they matched. They were within a sixteenth of an inch. Oh, that's pretty good. So that's pretty doggone good. I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I so, did a good job. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did a good job redrawing them. I mean, that was a lot of work. Yeah, so. but that's all right. It but anyway, happens. yeah, I got the, I got those built um, and ready to. Well, I guess my next step is uh, I'm going to figure out where I want to mount the throttle servos because I'm going to do separate servos and I'm going to bury them in the wing. I think underneath the nacelles, but inside the nacelle framework, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. So I'll I, have to cut a hole in the sheeting and add some, you know, uh, servo mounts and yeah. stuff like that. But I'm going to do should, that. Should have done that before you sheeted it. Yeah, but I didn't know exactly. Like I'm a visual guy. Yeah. Hard for me to to picture what it's going to look like until I actually physically see it on the airplane. So I get uh, it. having the nacelles actually in position, even though they're just kind of friction fit right now, um, having them in position really gives me a good solid. Uh, understanding of how everything is going to work. And I still haven't really committed to mounting the engines on their sides. Like I'm still giving thought to mounting them upright. And that'll change where the throttle servo gets mounted. Yeah, obviously. So, And then if you mount them upright, where will the exhaust go? Well, they, they, in this case, they would go over the wing. They, the should, go, the they wing. should go over the wing. Yeah, I know that's what you want, um, but I think they look really cool. Like when the, when the engines are mounted on their sides and the pipes go down and underneath the wing and then you can just see the pipes poking out the the back of the wing from the top, I think that looks cool. And it's very clean on the top that way. Yeah, so, but I can anyway, see that. Yeah. Hey, it's, your, it's your plane. You do what you want. That's true. It is. Um, and I will. Good. <laughs> um, and that's one thing. So I was a little concerned with how well the nacelles were going to stay on like actually stay on the wing. Like I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure really like how I was going to glue them on and what type of glue I was going to need and what, just to make sure it doesn't come off. But then the first time I slid those on that, I mean, it holds on to that yeah. wing really well yeah. because of that shape. Yep. It actually grabs that wing. It's almost it's like a clamp. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's not coming off. No. I mean, like you could probably fly that without glue and not have any problems. At least mine. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but yeah, well, I'm talking about like pulling well. straight off. I mean, yeah, they might move out laterally. Yeah, but I'm talking about coming straight from the front. You wouldn't oh, yeah. have any problems with that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. No, so, they're definitely locked in position. Yeah, fore and aft. So that when I first put those on, I I kind of lost all my concerns. Yeah. about how I was going to attach them. Yeah, and with yours being electric, I, I see no reason, especially you know looking at the fit of yours on the wing, I, I see no reason why you couldn't. CA those on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's maybe a listener or two out there that's cringing at the thought of mounting the, the nacelles to the wing with CA, but you got to understand the fit is really good. And just like you said, the, the fore and aft, I mean, they're locked in place because of the shape of the rib, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. holding it on. Yeah. And so, so I, yeah, like I said, I lost a lot of concerns when I actually put those on and saw how tightly they fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I'm not worried about it pulling off anymore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really encouraged with uh, how light yours is going to be. I think your airplane is going to be under 10 pounds for sure. I'm hoping so. Yeah. Because that's what I was looking at the, uh, like at the fuselage. I don't remember if we talked about this before. I don't really have anything that's going to go in the fuselage except, sorry, except for um, the elevator servo and the rudder servo. Because everything else, I think I'm going to mount the receiver you know, batteries are already going to be in the wing, so it's going to be a very light fuselage. Yes. And yeah. I, the heaviest part of this airplane is going to be the batteries. They're a little over a pound a piece, mm-hmm. which I'm not too thrilled about that, but 
you know, we deal. Yeah, but the rest the rest of the airframe, just like you said, it's, it's very light. Yeah. Especially the fuselage because you're not putting any plywood. There's no reason to, except maybe the where the wing mounts, you might want to yeah, you know, use reinforce some... that with some plywood or something. But the blocks, yeah. for sure, you want to do hardwood. But, but overall, yeah, I think it's going to be very light. Yeah, it's coming along quite nicely. Yep. The only thing I still have to do that I'm concerned about with the wing and I know you said that I probably don't need to do anything, but I really want to do like a, a fiberglass wrap or something around that center spar um, because I want to make sure those wing the sides. Ribs, you mean? Yeah, what did I say? You did said I do center it again? Spar. Yeah, you did. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I know what you meant, and everyone else does too. Um, but anyway, so I want to make sure that those wing halves are connected together well. Yeah. Um, so what do I need to do? So, the, that. yeah, the, the center section. Because, um, like, I'm actually there now, so I need to know oh, yeah, I gotcha. what to um, do. Well, you can do that a couple different ways. I recommend in your in your particular application, um, because it's electric and not nitro, so you're not going to have all that vibration that nitros give off, um, just wrap it with a with a very narrow strip of, uh, of fiberglass cloth and uh, saturate that with thin CA, and that, that center section will be plenty strong. So where do you get that cloth stuff then? You can get it at, at almost any well-stocked hobby shop, or you can come over to my house, and I've got a, a lot of it that you can use. Oh, I like that price better. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be fancy. The, the only part of it is it, it does leave kind of a rough finish, so it does require some filling and sanding and filling and sanding. You don't want to sand through the cloth because that's your strength. But um, So is that kind of like patching drywall then? Is that kind of what you're doing where you, if you have a hole in the drywall or something, you put that, the mesh the, over yep. it and then you mud over that and then you sand it to where you can't see? Is that kind of kind what Kind of similar, doing? yeah. Except okay. in this case, you won't have, I mean, there will be a, depending on how much time you spend on it and how much sanding, how much care you put into the application of the filler. Let's just say not very much. So you'll have a visible <laughs> hump there, but if you smooth it out, it'll, it'll look. I mean, fine. And or, you know, the, the alternative is to build a nice little center or a belly um, uh, fairing to fit over that center section to sort of smooth out that bottom part of the of the airframe, if that makes sense. That might not be a bad idea anyway, because I would kind of like the, the wing to sit and look like it's part of the fuselage when mm-hmm. it's in there. Because the way it's designed now, yeah. it doesn't look like no, it's going to. No, I, I plan on... on doing some smoothing on the bottom of of mine to make it look just like what you're talking about, make it look like the wing is like inserted into the fuselage yeah, as opposed to being mounted on the bottom of the fuselage. Yeah. And so, but just thin CA really is all it's going to take? You'd be surprised at how strong that stuff is. Hmm. I mean, you can use epoxy, which is what I'm going to use on mine. Epoxy, it gives a little bit. I mean, even though you don't think it does, it it has a little give to it. So it'll absorb those vibrations and stuff from the engines that, uh, that, mine's going to produce. Yeah. But because yours is electric and it's going to be very smooth, you don't really have to worry about that. So that CA will be plenty strong. And that stuff really, really, I mean, thin CA, you know how well it soaks into balsa. Yeah, it wicks in well. Now imagine it's, you know, wicking through fiberglass and into the balsa. I mean, it's plenty strong. Yeah. Yeah, that will reinforce the center, you know, the wing center joint plenty. Yeah, I was actually gluing something together the other day, and it wicked all the way through the balsa onto my hand. <laughs> onto your hand. I glued my hand to it. And, of course, that's exactly when my wife walks downstairs, and so she sees me with balsa hanging off my hand, and she just kind of rolled her eyes Giggles. and kept walking. Mm-hmm. Oh, she rolled her eyes. Okay. I was like, I yeah. I figured she would giggle. I deserve it. Yeah. 
she might have under her breath, but probably. Yeah. Yeah. Lori's seen that many times, so she's not phased by yeah. it. And like, there's probably balls to grains on my fingers now from <laughs> gluing my nacelles together. She, oh, funny story. Uh-huh. Uh, so I glued one of my nacelles backwards. What do you mean? So, you know, those, those, the, the plywood formers yeah. are very similar looking. You know, there's a top and there's a very obvious, well, not very obvious, but there's an obvious top and bottom. And yeah, I got one of them flipped backwards and glued it all together. And I was just getting ready to put the, the ball. So, so I, I glued the, the plywood together first. You know, they're numbered though, right? And the number goes on the top so you can read the number. Right. So I got to the point where I was getting ready to laminate the balsa on the outside and I couldn't see the number. I'm like, where's the, oh no. So yeah, oh. about 25 minutes worth of me painstaking with an exacto, you know, on each joint trying oh, to break my. it loose. <laughs> yeah. But I got and it off and it's cleaned up and you can't even tell. I was going to say, we don't have any more plywood to cut. Right. That's why I took so much time. to. Otherwise, I would have just called you and said, hey, can you cut me another number four? Because it was the number four former. Well, I hope uh, so, if that's what you wanted me to cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought you would enjoy that. That's awesome. I almost didn't tell you. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that you did. Yeah. Just to let you, you know, I, hey, I make mistakes too. Everybody does. Um. Yeah. So well, what'd you get done? I was going to say, how many wings have I built? So let's talk about well, who I makes mean, mistakes. It's yeah, okay. but all three of your wings looked really nice. Uh, okay. I mean, if you sure. didn't look down the trailing edges or <laughs> leading edges, they look good. If you didn't, if you looked at them the with your eyes closed, looked, well, looked good. They yeah. would have been great. Look at them with your eyes closed. Yeah, that way you don't see all the yeah, problems. Would it? Okay. Use your imagination, yeah, Tom. Yeah, I got it. Gosh, don't be so judgy. <laughs> feel like we're married. I'm looking at you with my judgy eyes. With disdain. Disappointment. Wow, that's... <laughs> I can handle judging right, maybe stuff, not disappointment. disappointment. No, you got some stuff done, though, right? Uh, a little bit. Um, the nacelles are about ready to be glued on, um, and that's about it. Then you're not going to glue them on because you're confident that they will stay on. I didn't say they would stay on. I said they probably <laughs> would stay on. Actually, no, the point I was trying to make is they won't pull off forward if I didn't glue them on. That's all I'm saying. I know. I'm just Gosh. But no, yeah, your progress looks good. It looks minuscule, but looks good. <laughs> I would say right now. <laughs> oh, I did the elevator, by the way. You did. Continue and I on. was uh, I was looking at it. I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's you would okay. say right now. That's okay. Uh, right now, I would say that you and I... You still have a lead. I'd say you're still in the lead. Yet you have done more work. Well, but I mean, as far as completion level, I'd say you're still ahead. Just. Yeah. Because it's, it's not a competition, Tom. <laughs> I don't know why. It's always a competition. I don't know why you keep you. saying that. I when you and your wife were out this weekend, you guys kept saying how I'm 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 in competition. I'm a compete. What's the you word? You are a competitive soul. There we go. Yeah. I don't see it. Shall I tell the story? I don't even know what story. Okay, so a while back, it's been a few years ago, we learned at a card game. And we <laughs> <laughs> and we call it 65. It's just a simple card game. You know, you start with three cards and threes are wild and then you have to make, you know, hands and things like that. 65? That doesn't sound right. Well, Is that what whatever it's we call it. 64, 65, the card game, you know, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. But anyway, yeah, so the first, the first I don't know if it was the first hand or the second hand or whatever – with each successive hand, you get dealt more and more cards. And that number of cards that you're dealt on that hand is the wild card. So if you're 
at the level of the game where you're being dealt five cards, then that means fives are wild. Mm -hmm. So we're playing the game and you, you know, let's say we're at five, right? And you, you pick up a five or you have a five in your hand or whatever, mm -hmm. and you discard it. You discarded a wild card. And then when you became aware that you discarded a wild card such that the next person could scoop it up, which I believe was me, um, which I did, you got very angry. Well, let's not talk about cards. That's not fair. <laughs> very <laughs> angry. I To the point where you got <laughs> so angry, you threw your cards. I might have. No, there was no might. And that happened <laughs> twice. Okay. So I get my, my card playing skills from my mom, and she does the same thing. Very sore loser when it comes to cards. So she's competitive also. When it comes to cards, yeah. <laughs> no, it's more when I do a stupid thing like, oh, fives are wild now. Let me throw a five out. And you're all like, oh, hey, look at this. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It got me a little bit upset. Yeah. Sorry. So you get upset when you do stupid things. Okay. Well. I don't like where that looks like it's going. <laughs> this no, is not just, the tell stories on Ron a, episode. You know, just a little nugget I'm putting back there in the file cabinet. Like, I don't, I mean, I do stupid things all the time, but I don't get that upset, I don't think. My file cabinet is empty. I don't remember stuff, so it's okay. <laughs> it's fine, because I have a terrible memory, too, and by... <laughs> well, you remember that story. Well, that's because it's very, very funny. <laughs> and Lori brings it up, so really, it's her fault that I remember it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I probably would have forgotten it. Yeah. And that story came up on Halloween. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Funny um, story. I would say that you your build is is ahead of mine, but just... But only just. Like, I just, once I get started on the fuselage, I feel like we'll be neck and neck. Oh, yeah. And I, I Although don't. Although you'll yeah. probably do something this week to jump ahead of me. Only if you tell me that you're working on yours, because I don't want you to get ahead of mine. <laughs> well, realistically, I won't be able to work on mine again probably till Friday. Yeah. And I. And then I have to work this weekend. So. Oh, do you? There probably won't be any work getting done this weekend. Nice. Good to know, right? Yes. <laughs> I can plan accordingly. Yeah. So you've got you've got at least three days to get ahead of me. No, farther. actually, it feels like I have something going on this weekend, but I don't know what. So probably I'm sure that'll ask Krista. I'm sure that'll hit me last minute. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was uh, I was admiring, if that's the correct word, your uh, the assembly of your horizontal stab. Admonishing. It, maybe? it looks great. Would you stop it? No, it looks great. I, uh, yeah. There's no video side to this, so nobody can see your eyes, <laughs> which is probably good. No, it looks fine. It really I does. feel judged again. It, it looks fine. It really does. Yeah. Is that all? <laughs> I mean, I aim, No, it does. It looks I aim for fine. For Yeah. It, it will be serviceable. It will do its job <laughs> perfect. Serviceable. Yeah. I mean, you did an okay job on that. Keep you, on, keep yeah. on going. And that's there's nothing wrong with okay. Okay is okay. It's not beautiful like mine, but it's okay. Are you ever gonna see yours? No. And no. to be honest, when you sheet yours, you'll never see yours either. Yeah. But I'll know. But you know, you've said that about something else before on this plane. I don't remember what it was. So at this I point, I don't. What was it? I don't, I'm not gonna tell you because you don't remember. Yes, I do. What was it? I'm not gonna tell you. Then you don't remember. <laughs> If you can't prove to me that you remember, then you don't remember. I think it had something to do with the um, the joint at which your two panels, your wing panels, came together. I think. I don't remember. I like. I really don't remember. So it wasn't that big a deal. I'm not gonna. 
put a lot I don't of remember either. thought into it. <laughs> this will work just fine. It, it will. will absolutely. It will fly around the air twice, and it's going to go get hung on a shelf, and I'm going to move you, on to a nice plane. Once you sheet it, all of those gaps will be joined by balsa, <laughs> and it'll be fine. <laughs> Backhanded compliment. <laughs> all of those gaps will be completely perfect when you I'm can't see them anymore. I'm exaggerating. Okay, so it really doesn't look bad. I mean, like, there's there's like no once gap. I once I really go got over there and kind of really scrutinized it. It looks pretty good, honestly. Pretty yeah. good. It does. It looks as good as mine. Oh, I don't Almost. believe that because you had to show me the picture of yours <laughs> and yeah, uh-huh. I did. I did take a picture of mine, and I've taken a picture of yours now too. And yeah, I, and I don't know why. Like I, I said, may, that... I may make a comparison video, or not a video, but a a comparison oh. shot to maybe put on the website or something. Or the forums. That'd be a good place for it. Well, it would have to Which be the forums. Which stab is better? It would have to be the forums. I know, because you're the only one that can put pictures on the website. <laughs> only because you won't learn. It's not that I won't learn. <clears throat> I, okay. I'm, we're not, I'm not going to go over this again because <laughs> oh, it's on. the same story over and over, and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing it. It is, and in case Tom's I want to know. I'm busy. i got to ride my bike. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Oh, so anyway, that's all the photo that I made on my airplane. Yep. Um, and it's okay. It looks good, though. Because I'm still ahead of you. Yep. And they're, they are, they're, they're both now starting to look like, well, yours has looked like a duelist for a while, but mine now finally starting to look like a duelist, and I'm getting excited. So I'm actually getting to that point, too, where I want to get this done because I want to see, first off, the differences in how they fly. I want to see the differences in weight. That's what I'm most interested in. Yeah. Um, Mine's going to be way heavier than yours. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be. But it's going to be faster, I bet, too. I don't know about that. Well, Uh, yeah. One way to find out. We'll see. Build it and find out. Well, I'm trying. Well, hurry up. Okay, I will. You're behind me, remember? That's true. Um, Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Give us a few more years. We'll have it done. Right? <laughs> no, not a few more years. Hopefully, you know, a few more months. Maybe. At the rate we're going, it'll be a spring flight. Yeah, for sure. Well, in even you know, even if we finish them in February, it's gonna be too cold to go fly them anyway, probably. Yeah, maybe. Although, if we can get them finished by January first, that could be our January first. Well, that's a good idea. Tradition. We always go out to the field January first. Yeah. So, what is that? Three months? Two no, months. No, that's less than two months. Less than two months. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm, I mean, it's I'm, not going to happen. I'm going to have some time off here around the holidays. Well, I'm not. And I get lots of stuff. Well, I sometimes can get lots of stuff done when I'm home <laughs> unsupervised. When I don't have to ride my bike. <laughs> or go run. Or go run. All right. Uh, see, I don't have that problem because I don't exercise. So <laughs> You I should. Have, I should not exercise. You are correct. No, you should exercise. It would be good for you. It would lengthen probably your life, which would is important to Piper. RC Plane Lab podcast. Let's talk about our <laughs> RC airplanes. Let's not <laughs> preach to me on okay, I'm sorry. exercising. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I won't say another word. Uh it's only because I care about you and I want to this I want to do this podcast for a very long time with you. So you should exercise. You sound like my wife. I won't say another word and then the very next <laughs> word out of your mouth is going right back to it. Okay, right starting after this next statement. <laughs> maybe that's what I should have said. 
Maybe not. I don't know. Are we starting now? Yeah, let's start. Starting. So you're not going to bring it up again? I'm not going to bring it up ever again tonight. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, John, how's it going? It's Jeff, flight team member. Uh, just have a suggestion for you. Maybe um, an episode, a short one, dedicated just on some uh, balsa build. I know you've talked about balsa and building and a lot of other things, but maybe make it a single episode um, with just the tips and tricks and maybe some of the uh, small idiosyncrasies that you might run into. Um, that'd be great. I'm looking at building uh, uh, an AC410, Ace410, that's what it's called. So, hey, great job, you guys. Uh, Ron, don't give Tom a hard time. Respect your elders. <laughs> Thanks. Respect your – that's what I got out of his – his uh, voicemail. I don't remember hearing that in there. Respect your elders. I don't. I don't I like that. I don't think so. Jeff, thank you for yeah. the uh, the uh, suggestion, and uh, we are going to do that right now. Yeah, we're going to talk about that very subject right now. Right. Not not me exercising. Right to meow. <laughs> <laughs> Best movie ever. Yeah. Well, uh, well. top five. And for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, go ahead, because you brought it up. No, go ahead. Uh, I don't Super know the... Troopers. Yeah, okay. Because I've never actually seen the movie. What? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I so hear building... right meow all the time, like at work, and I know it's from that movie, but I mm. have never seen the movie. Great movie. I'm sure it is. Okay. Building with Balsa, Tom. Yep. Who's never seen Super Troopers. Never. Uh, talk about it. <laughs> So balsa, it's a very lightweight wood. It is right that we uh, that we use in most of our models. Uh, our meaning yours and mine. Mm -hmm. Lots of people build models out of lots of different materials, but we're talking about balsa. So balsa <laughs> is native to South America. Uh, it's a tree that grows very very fast, and it grows very very light. I didn't know we were talking about fauna and flora. Well, thought... I'm getting to the point. Oh, okay. So the point is. Um, we like balsa because it, it's light. Um, it's easily um, machined or sanded or cut. Uh, we can form it into lots of different shapes. Um, almost as easy to form into shapes as something like foam even, um, like hard blocks of foam. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, my favorite material to build with. Uh, and that's, you know, why we use it. And there's lots of different uh, <laughs> there's lots of different grades, right? So balsa comes in basically three types of grades. There's lots of different grades. Three. Well, basically three. Uh, so there's like a soft, a medium, and a hard, or grade A or B or C. However you want to slice it, um, there's basically a place for each type of balsa, right? So A grade or um, soft or contest grade or whatever, that's going to be the stuff that you're going to use for shape. Uh, maybe not so much a leading edge, but something that's going to maybe a filler mm -hmm. or uh, sheeting is good for soft balsa because it conforms to curves because it's soft. Um, but stuff that I use the most is that stuff that falls kind of right in the middle. Uh, and right now, unfortunately, there's kind of a shortage of good soft balsa. So most of the balsa you're going to get nowadays is either going to be medium or hard. Um, hopefully that, uh, that situation changes over time. Well, and what caused that? Cause I, I mean, there was a reason for it. Well, I believe it was a combination of factors. There were, there were a couple of hurricanes that took out some, uh, stuff down in South America. And I believe there were f 
Hard to believe, but I believe there were fires Fire, also. Yeah. Um, so hit with both sides of it, fire yeah. and then water. Right, exactly. So, But luckily for us, like I said, balsa trees grow fast. Um, I don't think you said that yet. Hey, did I mention? <laughs> balsa trees grow they fast. They grow fast. Um, so anyway, there's there's kind of a shortage. So the good, the really good expensive soft stuff is hard to come by. But to be honest, uh, we can get by with the medium grade stuff if you know how to you know, the tips and tricks to cut it and form it and sand it and stuff. So the three grades, you know, they have different uses. Uh, the hard stuff, uh, which is hard to cut and hard to form, that makes great formers, uh, ribs, things like that. Uh, fuselage sides, if you get into the thicker stuff, is, you know. Spars. 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 Uh, I know are, what spars are. Yep, yep. Spars. You do know <laughs> what spars are. You like to call ribs spars, but that's okay. Um, that's right. That's correct. <laughs> uh, I concur. But anyway, each type of balsa has a, you know, kind of has a general rule of thumb use. So soft stuff, like I said, you're not going to use it in areas where you need high strength or if you need something that's uh, dent resistant because balsa can dent, as we all know, uh, pretty easily, actually. Yes. Have you seen my wing? Have you seen mine? Uh, don't look closely on the pictures. Uh, there's lots of dents in my sheet. Don't look from far away on mine because you but can here's still a see tip. them. Here's a tip and trick if you guys are looking for tips and tricks. Um, if you're building with balsa and you do, let's say you do uh, drop a, let's say you drop a screwdriver on your freshly sheeted wing. Don't ask me how I know what happens, but it will usually leave a dent in the sheeting. And the quickest way to fix that, honestly, uh, hit it with a little bit of water and then iron it with your covering iron. Really? A dent pops right back up. You sand it smooth like it never happened. I'm going to have to submerge mine into a bath. <laughs> <laughs> and then put it in the oven. And get out the autoclave. <laughs> and right. we'll see what happens. Autoclave. <laughs> Fancy. I used it right, right? You did, I think. Nice. I think an autoclave is the big oven thing that they sterilize instruments Yeah, in, I right? thought so too. Yeah. But that'll work. Um, but yeah, there's, so there's a tip and trick, or there's a tip for you. If you got a dent in your balsa, um, just uh, soak it with a little bit of water and run your iron over it. It'll pop right back out and then you can sand it smooth with some 220 and like it never happened. Never happened. So I'll be sanding my entire wing with 220 after soaking it. But uh, anyway, yeah. uh, soft balsa is good for areas where you need it to conform or you need it to make a shape. Um, I use soft balsa whenever I can for wing fillets, uh, tail, you know, the, where the vertical meets the horizontal, that little fillet in there, I'll use it there because it doesn't have to be strong. It just needs to provide a shape and something for my covering to stick to. Yeah. Um, balsa cowls. Uh, also, I've built up balsa cowls out of soft balsa because it's easy to shape. Yeah. Um, so things like that where you don't need a lot of strength, you know, soft balsa is okay. But anything else, you can get away with medium and even hard balsa if you're going to use, you know, if you're going to make your spars out of balsa, hard balsa is the way to go. Yeah. So that's good to know. Um, but actually building with balsa... Right. Which is what we were talking about. Well, I feel like if you're going to build out of balsa, you probably ought to know at least a little bit about balsa, and that's what I was trying to do. Very, very good. <laughs> so if you're going to build with balsa, yes, um, I would think the best thing to do is buy a kit, right? Yeah, I, I, mean, I like, would agree with that. For somebody that's never built anything out of balsa before, a kit is going to be a great way because you don't have to worry about cutting your ribs. Well, I almost did it. First of all, you don't need to worry about if the parts are going to fit or not. Yeah. And you, you don't, don't need to worry about if I if I've drawn the parts correctly in the CAD program and then cut them either by hand or or with a laser if you 
got yeah. access to one or whatever, you don't have to worry about that because you know the manufacturer has already done all that for you and all the parts should fit together. Yeah, and especially if it's a kit that's been out there for a while. Like my first kit that I built was the Sig Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Um, Sig kits go together very well. They do. At least the one I built did. Huge um, fan. But I can't say much about building a bunch of them because I haven't done it. Right. Uh, I will say, though, that I'm glad I did that before I did this duelist because there's been a lot of little things that I picked up not having to worry about all the stuff that goes into doing one from plans. Um that it just goes together well and you get the gist of what you're doing. Right. So yeah. starting out with balsa, I think, like I said, some sort of SIG kit or a different kit, something like that, yep. that goes together well. Something that's like a beginner type plane. Or even even the those I think I'm gonna mispronounce pronounce this, but forgive me if I do, but those Gillows kits, the little you know the The rubber band powered ones. Yeah. Yeah. Even starting with something like that and putting one of those together for the first time will actually teach you quite a bit about Working with balsa. Yeah, and that's a good idea, but if you want something that's going to fly, right, exactly. that really won't do it. Well, um, oh, okay, rubber band powered, sure. Um, <laughs> my, actually, Cody put one of those together several years ago before he did pretty much anything else with airplanes, mm-hmm. uh, and he did that all by himself. I yep. mean, I didn't help at all. And I don't even think he glued his, his fingers to the plane at all. I don't know how he did that. Wow. Because I do that all the time. I do too. Um. But yeah, that's a good place to start, I guess. But if yeah. you're wanting to build something that's actually going to fly, um, then yeah, I would think some sort of, like I said, SIG kit or something like that. That gives you a good basics, mm-hmm. you know, like basis of yep. the basics. Right. Um, because they have great, uh, like, instruction manuals that come with them. They walk you through step by step with pictures on what you need to do. Yep. It comes with full sets of plans, so you can kind of lay everything out and build on top of the plans. You don't need special jigs. Right. It's just a good way to start. It is. And like you said, you know, the, the instruction manual will usually, um, well, not usually, will always have the instructions <laughs> for building the airplane. Otherwise, um, it's not an instruction manual. But they usually have, you know, uh, I know SIG does a good job with uh, adding little tips in there. Hey, you know, if you want a, for instance, if you want a good fit of this piece here, here's how you can accomplish that by whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they provide that sort of information in there too because they assume uh, when you're let's say I'll take a cadet, uh, the Sig Cadet, uh, been around for many many years. Great flying airplane. It's a good kit, um, but it's a it's a kit. I mean, it's a box of wood sticks that you cut to shape and uh, glue together. And it's the, in my opinion, it's one of the perfect kits to start with. So is that a stick built? Yeah, plane then. So yeah, you you basically build the fuselage sides out of sticks, uh, which means. As you actually lay these sticks of balsa out, out over the plans, you're cutting each one to angle to size. Right. Um, whereas with the like solid side wood planes, you actually get that piece cut for you already. Right. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, you you build two equal sides and then you set them square on the on the building surface and connect them with you know sticks that you know that go between the two sides. It's a great it's a great building in my opinion. It's a great building experience. And SIG assumes that this is your first kit. So they provide a lot of that information that most of us take for granted. You know, how to how to miter a joint or how to, you know, how to get a good fitting glue joint and why that's important. And I, I'm a big fan of the of the SIG cadet series yeah. for that reason because they're, you know, they, they teach a lot of uh, people how to build kits, which is a lost art, I think. Yeah, and don't be scared of it. 
No. I mean, there's, I was very unsure of myself when I started my first kit. Um, but just have fun with it and enjoy. Yeah, and if you make a mistake, there's usually a way to fix it. Yeah, and just just enjoy the process. I mean, I, I can't stress it enough that it's just, it's fun. It's meant to be fun. Have yeah. fun with it. Oh, don't, and it's, it's, it's uh, therapy for me. Yeah, don't stress yourself out because what if I do this wrong or what if it does? If you do it wrong, so what? If it doesn't fly well, so what? You learned and you do it better on your next one. Yeah, right. So yep. don't be scared. So yeah, that would be the the Sig Cadet would be my suggestion for a good first kit, and that that's a great introduction to balsa building. And what else would you need then to buy in order to put a kit together? Well, aside from the the stuff to complete the airplane, like fuel tank, engine, wheels, prop, that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to need stuff to actually assemble uh, work with the balsa that comes in the box. So at a minimum, uh, I would say you're going to need a uh, sanding block and a knife and glue. I mean, at a minimum. You could probably build a SIG Cadet out of just those three, honestly. Yeah, I could However, see that. However, having said that, um, there are some tools that will make your life a lot easier and make the building uh, experience a lot more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So a, a good tool to have is the miter box um, made by several companies and what it is basically it's just like a carpenter's miter box only a lot smaller and designed for a you know a, a hobby sized uh, razor saw or um, hacksaw looking mm-hmm. tool um, but it usually has miter joints in it so you can make a perfect 90 degree or 45 degree or I think some of them even have combinations of the 33 and the other one 66 I guess it is <laughs> uh, but anyway um, that tool is very very handy especially when building a, a a SIG kit because so many of the joints or or parts are built up out of, you know, quarter by three-eighths or quarter-inch square balsa. So you can use that box to make those nice, perfect miters so your joints fit together. And yeah. that's important. You want your joints to fit together nicely because, a, you know, a tight-fitting joint is stronger than a joint that has a big gap in it. Why are you looking at me and smiling when you say that? <laughs> I Just because I know it's going to get a reaction. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's really it. My joints are fine. They are. They are. Once they are sheeted, you'll never see them. So they'll be perfect. <laughs> but, uh, but I wish uh, I wish I would have had those sheeted before you came over. <laughs> uh, Save me I, a lot well, of grief. Yeah, and I won't. Okay, so I won't mention the other thing, and now I won't mention that anymore. I what, promise. What? A, oh, I don't care if you mention that. Oh. I'm okay with my building skills. No, they're fine. Uh-huh. They, I think. I yeah, think that's what I mean. They're fine. I aim for fine. And they I don't want to go above the bar. I just want to be at fine. Okay. Uh-huh. Very defensive. <laughs> <laughs> you struck a nerve. Oh, sorry. No, it's well, I didn't all right. Mean to. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the miter box and the associated, uh, I call them razor saws, but because at, at the hobby scale, they're not a hacksaw, but they're basically a hacksaw looking. Very type. thin. Or not a, not a hacksaw, I'm sorry, a uh, hand saw. Right? Yeah, very thin looking hand yeah. saw. Um, but those two tools will, will definitely be... Uh, be high on the priority list to purchase, and they're not very expensive. I think, uh, I think Excel makes a, a combo package that has the aluminum, 
uh, miter box and the saw and a saw handle, I think, for 20 bucks, I think. And yeah. you will use that. If you stay in the hobby, you will use that forever. They never really go dull because we're only cutting balls with them. Well, the saws don't go dull. But let me tell you, if you can get away with buying a metal miter box as opposed to a plastic one, <laughs> do that. Yeah. Um, That's my, why I mentioned the Excel one. Yeah, well, my, so I have the plastic one that I bought <laughs> that's, you know, hobby grade. I don't remember what brand it is, but it's a name brand. Man, I, I think tell that's a you Zona, what. I think. Is I think it? Zona made the plastic ones, I think. Either way, it doesn't matter. That doesn't sound right. Oh, no? Okay. Yeah, hold on. Ron is feverishly looking for his Zona miter box made of plastic. It's a Zona. Oh, it is? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so they're crap. Well, I thought, I mean... Yeah. But yeah, so the plastic I, ones, if you can, if you can use avoid those. those, yeah. Because what happens? You cut through them. Eventually, yeah, the saw will cut through them. And then your your miter, you know, where the, the actual haul, or the saw sits in it that used to be a sixteenth of an inch thick, ends up being, I don't know, an eighth inch to three eighths of an inch thick as you yeah. keep cutting through it. And, and then your joints ever, are not perfect. Nothing's ever straight. There you go. I didn't use it for that one, by oh, the way. Okay. So I know what you're going for, but no, I, I just freehanded it. Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, the miter box is high up on the list. Also high up on the list, in my opinion, is a good aluminum. Uh, straight I, edge. I call it a, yeah, thank you. Um, that's very handy to make, obviously, straight cuts with an X-Acto knife, and you can also use that to guide your saw freehand if you're, you know, if you're using it, and then that, uh, if you're using it in that manner. Um, yeah, I got my tongue twisted there. Um <laughs> So anyway, a, a good a good straight edge, either steel or aluminum. I like aluminum because they're light and easy to move around. And so six inch. Yep. And a, three a twelve foot. and a three foot, ideally. Mm. The twelve inches. The twelve inch is handy because you know a lot of our balsa is, you know, sometimes between six and twelve inches. So to drag out the three foot long, you know, straight edge to cut eight inches is kind of silly. That's what I use, especially since you brought yours over and I just kept it. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you have a lot more room uh, to work with than I do. So, so are you giving it to me? I know we had. No. I know we had that uh, no. argument before. What I'm I... saying is, it's easier for you to you know whip around a three foot. Yes, it is. Uh, straight edge than it is for me to dig out my three. Anyway. <laughs> The moral of the story is have a have a straight edge that works for you, multiple, whatever size. Multiple and sizes, though. A six inch is very handy because a lot of the times, you know, we'll be working with detail type stuff and, yeah. you know, six inches is plenty. The other thing I find interest, or interesting, boy, the other thing I find handy is the six inch speed square. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I, we mentioned that it was one of our tool of the weeks here, well, tools that was a, of the week for a while back. Week, yeah, whatever it um, is. But that not and we didn't talk about the six inch one. No, we did. The didn't. one you talked about was what three inches yeah, or I four think it's inches three or something. Inches. Yeah, but I actually Midwest have one. a real. Well, I say real. I actually have a builder's yeah. square, and that's, that's six inches, yep. and I, I use that often yep. too. I use mine too, and handy dandy, it comes with a six inch or twelve inch scale attached to it. You can whip out of there and use it as a twelve inch scale, straight edge. What? Yeah, a six inch. A six. Oh, I'm talking about square. the carpenter square. I'm sorry, you're talking about the. The framing square, the framing whatever, square. whatever it's okay. called. So the one I'm talking about the is the one that you can loosen the thing and slide the slide the scale inside it. Oh. Those are handy as well. I, yeah. What are those called? Uh, I don't know. I should know I've that. always called those a carpenter square, but 
has a level in it in the handle. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking but about. But it has a 12 inch scale that you yeah. can pull out of it and use it as a Which scale. Which also works as a straight edge. 12 inch straight edge. Yeah. So two birds, one stone. So there you go. And cool. chances are most folks probably already have one of those in their garage or shop or whatever. And if you don't, you should. And if you don't, you sh really should. Yeah. Uh, something else, um, if you're going to get started building a balsa kit, let's say, for example, a SIG Cadet Senior, um, you're going to want a good quality um, sanding block or sanding apparatus. And you know those are really super easy to make yourself. I did not know that. Then Enlighten me, please. <laughs> if you have spare two-by-fours uh, or one-by-twos or anything that's somewhat square, um, you can wrap it in sandpaper with uh, 3M77, uh, the, the tacky adhesive, the spray glue, and that makes a great sanding block, especially if you make a long one. If you cut, say, a two-by-four, a really good straight one, say 12 to 18 inches long, that's great for sanding, you know, leading edges and things like that. Yeah. Wrap some 60 grit around it. Yep. That's actually a good idea because I have the aluminum extrusion type uh, sanding bar. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's nice, but yeah. it doesn't seem to be wide enough for a lot of the or things I want it for. Yeah, yeah. that too. Um, I it's have the width that gets me more often though. Okay. Because only like what inch wide sandpaper goes on it. Something and like then that. it's hard to find the sandpaper, roll sandpaper is 10 bucks yeah. and all that stuff. Well, you so. know, you don't have to use that. You can use any sandpaper and just glue it on with 3M77. Well, and then when I, you're time I to do change now. it, you can heat it up and it peels right off. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's how you get the that's how I that get stuff to... Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yep. I didn't know that made it uh, kind of set free or give loose anything. Mm -hmm. It softens the adhesive so you can peel it off. Cool. It does leave stuff behind sometimes, but that comes off with acetone. Well, does it matter if you're putting more on? Yeah, because you want that surface to be nice and flat, and then sometimes it'll be rough if you leave the adhesive on because it won't come off all even, you know oh. what I mean? Or if it's 2 by 4 just get another 2 by 4 oh, There you go. They're cheap. They are. Um, but anyway, a good quality sanding block uh, is going to come in handy, um, especially you know when you're building with uh, some of the harder uh, medium-grade or hard-grade balsa. You want a good, stiff, solid block. <laughs> But, uh -huh. I mean, there's the blocks you can buy, like, at Lowe's from 3M that are, like, the foam blocks that feel like they're really firm. But as soon as you add pressure to them, they conform. So if you have, a, like, a hard spot in the balsa or a glue joint that's harder than the surrounding balsa, it'll, like, skip over that. And then you've got a hump in your finished project, and that's not fun. Yeah. No, that's a pain. I actually used one of those on the, the leading edge on my wing. Yeah. And then I had to stop using it and go to <laughs> something else because it was not doing it right. Right. Now, I'm not saying I don't use those. Um, those those balls or those uh, foam blocks from 3M, uh, I do have a ton of those at home, and I do use them for, like, for example, when I went to sheet my stab here, um, I pre-sanded the sheets with that block to get them nice and smooth. Mm -hmm. um, that's one good use for that. But yeah. like a leading edge, is, like you said, it's not, not ideal. But it's if you've got a budget for it, it's good to have a few of those laying around in different uh, in different grits. Yeah, they're not very expensive. A couple bucks a piece, maybe. Yeah, something in probably. There. Maybe yeah, two or three bucks. I don't I think don't they know. were very expensive, and they seem to last a good long time too, as long as you're not sanding, you know, paint with them. Yeah, well, and balsa <laughs> doesn't really chew things up very much anyway. It's so soft, so. Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah that's true. Stuff will last a good long time if all you're sanding is balsa. Yeah, because it's so soft. When it comes to glues, mm -hmm. you're going to need glue to put these together. Yep. I really have only used thin CA. I know there's medium and thick, mm -hmm. but I just have not come across a need for it, I guess. Okay. 
so am I doing something wrong? Should no. I be no, using that for other things, or what would you use? Well, I mean, for? you also use wood glue, which is uh, my favorite adhesive. Yeah. Um, you know, or yellow glue, or carpenter's glue, whatever you want to call it. It's an aliphatic resin. There you go again. Um, but anyway, no, the, the different grades of CEA just allow you to do different things. So if you have a good fitting glue joint, you can put the two pieces together, wick a little bit of thin CA in there. It really gets into the gets into the wood and absorbs, and you got a good joint. Uh -huh. um, if you got a joint, let's say, um, let's say you can't hold them together yourself, and there's no way to clamp them, and then also have a third hand to put the glue bottle there. In instances like that, I'll use medium CA because medium doesn't wick into the wood nearly as fast as thin CA. So I can run a bead of medium CA and then take the part, set it on the part I'm gluing it to, and then hold it there for a few seconds. Done. Oh, okay. Um, thick CA, same thing, but thick CA will give you um, gap filling ability. So it will it will not wick into the wood like thin and certainly or not like medium, but certainly not like thin. So it'll kind of stay liquid, if you will, uh -huh. in the gap, and then it will cure and bridge the gap in your glue joint. So you're saying I needed to use that on my stab? No. Oh, no, okay. I, I, Just don't, checking. I don't think you needed 6CA anywhere in that construction. Then why are you making fun of me for it? Because it gets a rise out of you. Oh, Fine, I'll just be monotone Ron from now on. <laughs> just when it comes to your glue joints. Just my glue joints. That wasn't monotone. That sounded like Forrest Gump. Oh. I don't know why I do that. I don't either. But anyway, yeah. So uh, three different adhesives that I like to use. I, I use uh, CA, and, and usually all I have is thin and medium, um, just because medium does you know everything I need it to do. And if I have a really nasty gap, I'll use the next adhesive I'm going to talk about. Epoxy. Epoxy is a two-part adhesive that you mix together and then uh, very, very strong stuff. Um, I use it for things like firewalls when I'm putting the firewall, you know, on the on the front of an, uh, a fuselage. Uh, I use it for wing joints, you know, when gluing two wing panels together. Anywhere you need really, really strong joint, uh, I'll use epoxy. You also use, you taught me this one, watered-down epoxy. Um on the uh, firewall to make it fuel proof. Mm -hmm. uh, well, watered down is 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 how you put it, but it's it's thin. Sorry, epoxy. that's that's what I meant to say. Thin down epoxy <laughs> with alcohol. Yeah. So if you take epoxy, thin it down with a little isopropyl alcohol, it'll make it into like a brushing consistency, and then you can yeah you can brush it on firewalls and anything that you need fuel proofed. Yeah, so that's what I did on the uh, on the yeah. Telemaster. Because fuel-proof paint is hard to come by these days and very expensive. Oh, is Like it? I think there's a company called, um, oh gosh, can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> well, good. Anyway, there's a company out there, I think Wings West maybe, whatever it is. They, you know, they're a hobby company and they produce paint and it's great quality stuff and they produce it in a bazillion different colors. Great quality stuff, but it, it's pricey, it's you know, for a quarter of it, we're around 30, 20, 30 bucks. Well, and that's, I mean, really, I guess that's not too pricey when you talk about what well, regular that's true. paint is at the store. Well, yeah, um, true. Paint in general is expensive. Yeah. But if you just need to do a firewall that's, you know, six square inches yeah. or six inches by six inches, bigger than six square inches. But anyway, yeah, you, you know, it's, yep. it's so much easier just to whip up a little batch of that with the uh, epoxy yeah. and brush it on after you paint it. And it looks pretty good, especially when it's going to be hidden, by the way, it, right. by a cow. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I'm not yep. going for pretty. I'm going for, uh, you know, a workhorse over what it looks like. Yep. 
Yep. And and mostly it's about the fuel proofing and you want to make the airframe last a long time. And when we say fuel proofing, what do we what do we talk about, Ron? Uh, making it so it's fuel proof. <laughs> Why is that important? Because you don't want to get your balsa um, soaked with fuel. Because so yeah, oil is in the fuel, and once that soaks into the airframe, it weakens it. Yeah, and you know that's not good for airframes that you plan on hanging on to forever. And <laughs> makes the uh, the joints fail, makes the the glue kind of, or makes the the balsa kind of swell and get all messed up, yep. and then loses its strength. So, yep. yep. Right. So yeah, epoxy, um, Elmer's or carpenter glue and CA. Those are the ones I like to use. And, and epoxy comes in different flavors. It comes in like a five minute, a fifteen minute, a thirty minute. And all that means is how much time you get to work with it before it sets up. Yeah, and five minutes does not mean you have five minutes of work time. I mean, it's it's pretty quick. It so, can be. Yeah, it depends on how you mix it. Like yeah. you can mix it hot. You know, you put a little extra catalyst in it. It'll it'll kick off quicker and Something I've noticed with epoxy, and maybe this is a, a tip or a trick, uh, if you mix it in large quantities, it kicks off faster than if you mix it in small quantities. Because there's more heat. Exactly. So what I found out too, I was, I don't remember what I was trying to epoxy, but I, I needed it to be a little bit thicker than what I had. And so to me, it's like, okay, well, this is going to kind of just kind of set up, you know, it's going to slowly start to cure. Oh, no. And then once it gets to be a little bit thicker, I'm going to use it. <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. Nope. It like goes from thin, 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 thin to solid. Like yeah. Once it almost kicks off. Yeah. It's, it's a quick process. And so yep. I had to throw all that away and start over. Yeah. I don't yep. even remember what I was using that for. I wish I could remember. <laughs> it doesn't matter because well, my memory Well, here's something shot. else. Um, so... The comparing the different epoxies, the five minute epoxy is more brittle than the thirty minute epoxy. Oh, really? I don't know why that is. It probably has something to do with the, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but with the retarder they put in there to slow the the cure rate of the epoxy. Mm-hmm. Um, but something about that makes that thirty minute epoxy slightly more um, resilient than the five minute epoxy. Five minute epoxy, like if you mix them up in a little mixing cup, let it set up for you know. Let it really get good and cured over a couple of days. You can come back, you know, a few days later and smack it with a hammer and it will just shatter. Hmm. If you do the same experiment with like 30-minute epoxy, your hammer will bounce off of it. So here's the other thing. If you've ever done like where you use that epoxy stuff for like countertops and stuff. Okay. That is very slow hardening epoxy. Mm -hmm. And if you put stuff on it and sit it too long, it will actually deform. Mm -hmm. And then when you remove it, over time it will fill back in. Flatten back out. So – even the epoxy that's a finish, that's sandable, that's, you know, it's a hard finish, it still has some liquidity to it, if that's the right word. Liquidity. I, don't know. I like that. But it will still move and, you know, it will still kind of flow back to level. Yeah. Even after it's been taken out of level by having something sit on it. Right. And here's something else. Uh, the longer you let epoxy sit in liquid form uh, on the surface of, say, balsa or, or plywood, the more it will soak in and stronger your joint will be. So if you oh, if you makes sense. if you have time and you're not impatient like me, um, to use 30 minute epoxy and you can get it clamped up and held in place for that long, probably better to use that epoxy in general, just because it's going to give you a better glue joint because it's going to soak in more because it's liquid longer. Yeah, and that you know makes I mean? sense. Does that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of gives it time to become part yep. of and impregnate into that exactly. wood. So yeah. so I keep five minute and 30 minute. Uh, epoxy. I don't even mess around with the 15 minute. Yeah, I think I have the same because it's really not worth having three. 
you know. I figure if I've got 15 minutes to, you know, to wait for this to kick off, then what's another 30 for a stronger joint? Another 15. Exactly. Yeah, not so, 30. Well, right, I'm sorry. Yeah, 45. Yeah, right. yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, those are the glues I like to use. And there's other ones out there like um, for the longest time, and this is now... I'm old and I've been doing this a long time. Really? But even when I started, we were using CA and epoxy and, and wood glue. Huh. But before that, um, people were using stuff like Sigment and uh, what's the other one? Ambroid and there's a few others. And I honestly don't know anything about those adhesives. I know they're still out there. You can still buy them. I know Sig, I think it still sells Sigment, I think is what it was called. And it was a cement that was on the label. And what it actually is, I, I couldn't tell you. But if you still use that, uh, maybe you could uh, enlighten me. What it is? What is it? And how does it work? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it looks like yeah. it used to come in tubes. Like you remember the testers model cement? Yeah. Same is idea. That what it I comes, think. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. Huh. Well, I mean, the testers cement is designed to melt the plastic together. You can't melt. I didn't realize that. Together. Yeah, that's how I think that's how it works. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I never had a lot of luck with that because it always took so long, and I was impatient when I was a kid. Yeah. I always used super glue when I, I when I built plastic models. I don't think I ever completed a plastic model in my life, to be honest oh, really? with you. I started a few, but you, that didn't, was it. you didn't you didn't build any airplane models like to completion. Come on, I would be so disappointed I, in you if you say no. Sure, I sure did. <laughs> I did a thousand of them. In actuality, okay. no, I don't think I did. Yeah. I, I didn't. I built a lot of them as a kid. I have one actually sitting back on my shelf back there that I haven't done. It's a, a tri motor. Believe it or not. How about that reference material for our next project? There you go. Maybe huh? that should be my first one. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, back to building. Okay. What else do you need? You need to cover it, Tom. Well, yeah, you're going to need uh, need something to finish it. Like once you have this uh, beautiful airframe built and sanded smooth, you're going to have to cover it or paint it or something finish it right we're gonna have to do something before you paint it well yeah you're gonna have to cover it there you go yeah what are you gonna need to cover it ron uh you're gonna need a covering iron mm -hmm. and covering yeah we know a little bit about covering a little yeah you bought some recently <laughs> it's not been recently it's been a while <laughs> what does Sorry. that have to do with anything uh well it's covering we're talking about covering and i want to talk about the 60 dollars roll of covering you bought <laughs> and it's still sitting there waiting for a project. It's really neat, though. It's going to be awesome when I get yeah. to use it, when I get to use it. Yeah. So there's different kinds of covering, right? Mm -hmm. There's the film-type covering, which leaves a nice glossy uh, surface, unless you buy the matte finish stuff, which leaves a nice matte finish. Um, super easy to eat. Well, it's easy-ish it, to it use. It really is fairly easy compared to use. Compared to, yeah, dope and fabric and paint and, and the old, you know, the old, kind of the old way of doing stuff. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got the films, the plastic films that uh, that both that iron on and then shrink. Uh, you have iron on fabric now also, uh, both uh, the kind that has got the adhesive on it and the kind that requires you to paint an adhesive on the airframe. Which I don't think I would start with that no, as, a, as a first it's, build. It's a lot of work. Yeah, um, covering in general is can be uh, a lot of work. Covering um, is rewarding though. Very. Rewarding because yeah, it brings it brings this uh, thing that you've built sort of to life, mm -hmm. and you can really see the shape. You know when it's finally when all those open surfaces are covered over, and 
Yeah. You I get agree. to design your own color scheme. You get to pick your accents. You know, you get to yeah. actually make it your own airplane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can take a kit that maybe 50 other guys and girls have uh, put together, but you can put your own spin on it when, when you get to the covering and make it look nothing like anyone else's. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one very rewarding aspect of the hobby. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to need some covering. Uh, whatever you choose. Um, I've been experimenting with the China coat recently yeah. with good results. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to buy for the for the Duelist. And Just by be- China coat, if for anybody listening, uh, that's the stuff that you can get from Hobby King uh, for much less than uh, some of the name brand stuff. Um, it does have its quirks. Uh, I've, I've noticed, um, online anyway, I've noticed that some people using... Um, Different batches from different purchases of the same color, the colors don't match. I, I, okay. Some of the higher, you know, some of the name brand stuff, you're probably not going to run into that problem. Like, I've never ran into that problem with Monocoat. Um, I haven't dealt too much with Ultra Coat, but I've never ran into it with that either. But um, aside from that, so far, the results have been promising for for the Hobby King version. So just make sure you by the amount that you need. <laughs> right. I mean, really. When, well, there's probably no it. guarantee of getting the same batch numbers even even then. No, but it's going to be a lot closer. You I mean, think. you're going to you're going to kind of hope that it would be. You would think um, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I know with with metals and stuff, if you're buying lots and stuff and you want something to match, you have to buy from the same lot just to be sure. Yeah. Even in, in industrial applications, colors are not going to match. Yeah. So that part really doesn't bother me that much. Okay. Um some of the reviews I've read says that the, some of the colors fade uh, pretty dramatically, I guess, over time. Um, I mean, to to me, that's not that big of an issue because my airplanes don't spend a lot of time outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I get that. Um, so, and I don't store them, you know, right next to a window. I mean, they're stored in kind of a dungeon there in my basement. So uh, that's not a big concern of mine. Um, well, but I guess, I mean, that's something to, to take into consideration, though, if you're going to be doing it. Um, and if it's going to be a plane you want to keep for a long well, time. Well, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good to know. And I, I I still don't mind trying that, I think, with the Duelist because I've not used it before. And I think this is a good airplane to try it on. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not 60 bucks a roll. <laughs> so, we're good on that. Yeah. Uh, probably what I'm going to use is, uh, for the Duelist anyway, is just covering I have. Well, yeah, because you uh, have I, like 730 rolls. I, th- I think I have uh, enough of the colors that I want to go with uh, to go ahead and, and cover it. But if I didn't, I would I would be using the, the stuff from Hobby King for sure. Yeah. Depending on what colors are in stock. Yeah, that's, that's the, the other issue. I probably ought to look and see what they have now and just kind of keep my eyes open for when they have it in stock Yeah. so that I can do it. Or else I will be buying, you know, Monocoat and just doing it that way. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's part um, of it, I guess. So, yeah, along with the covering uh, that you choose, uh, hopefully you're going to choose an iron-on because that would make the next tool uh, very important. You're going to need an iron, like you said. And not like an iron for your clothes. No. An actual covering iron. Covering iron. Um, and watch what kind you get. So I've, I've never mm-hmm. used any of the Hobby King covering irons. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're any good, yeah, honestly, I so I can't speak for that one. Um, you turned me on to the, the Coverite yeah. covering iron that is no longer yeah, available. I know. Um, but it's such a nice iron. It really is. I, I, it's the best iron I have. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I bought another one as a spare. Yeah, I did too. Because now you can't find them 
They're hard and to find. If you they do find pop up one, from time to time on eBay and other places. But yeah, unfortunately, they're not in production that I am aware of. Yeah, if you find one, buy it. That's yeah. my you, usually my about, hint to you. Yeah, I think they're usually what about forty bucks or so, maybe a little bit less. Thirty, I think, is what I paid okay. for mine. All right, but I worth it. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because that's really not much more expensive than like the Hangar Nine one. Um, right. So I have the Hangar Nine one also. Yeah. And I know we talked about it before, but problem with that one is that you literally have from the time the uh, um, the thermostat turns on to the time it turns off forty degree difference. Yeah, that and that's I significant. It. Especially if you're going to use, uh, if you're using Ultra Coat, which uses the multi temp uh-huh. technology, yeah, forty difference makes or forty degrees makes a big difference when you're using, you know, Ultra Coat. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's something you know you want to be aware of, uh, no matter which iron you choose. Um, and I highly recommend either getting a non-contact thermometer or the cool little uh, coverite thing, which also is no longer available, that you can, has a little dial you set right on the shoe of the iron. It'll tell yeah. you, it reads it directly. Um, but you need to know the temperature that your iron is at. Yeah, it's like the old uh, thermostats, you know, if you ever took them apart, the the analog thermostats that just had the wire. The big coil spring yeah. on the side, yeah. That's all it is. Right. And it just, as it turns, it turns to the temperature it's at and it, it's very accurate. Good. Um, and so with the, with that 21st century one, I think I had like a six degree, uh, you know, swing. Mm-hmm. So if you set it for, uh, I don't know, whatever temperature you set it for, it would be like three under, three over was That's the swing. That's pretty good. So it, it, it averaged out to be what you had it set at. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's it, very accurate. And when you're – so if you don't realize that's going on – which I never realized it until I got the thermometer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, so I had the non-contact thermometer that I would use, like with the uh, the the Hangar Nine one. Mm-hmm. I would get to where I needed it, check it, and then after it was warmed up, I was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to keep checking it. I would have problems at times to where it would stick. Other times it wouldn't stick, and now I know why. You know, you'd have some times where it would start to shrink a little bit and other times yeah. where it wouldn't. Yeah, because it's hot and then it's cold and then it's yeah. hot and then it's cold. Yep. 40 degrees is a big difference for that. Yeah. So when I started using this other iron, it started working much better. Right. And I'm I'm happier with that. <laughs> Whoa, you Sorry doing okay? That. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, something else I would recommend for your iron, whichever iron you choose, usually the manufacturer will make a sock. It's a fabric cover that yeah. fits over the shoe. I highly recommend those. Um, because sometimes, you know, in a in, like in, in my workspace, it's dirty. There's balsa dust flying around and sanding grit from my sanding blocks or whatever. When that stuff gets on the surface of the Monica or whatever film you're using um, and you run over that with a with an iron, it will, you know, it'll leave scratches and stuff on your shiny new surface. So a sock will help prevent that. Yeah. And also makes it glide easily on the, on the surface. Yeah. So I highly recommend a sock if you... And the other thing, can find it. too, by the way, is when you get to those cut edges, mm-hmm. when you go to put those down, um, a lot of times you're going to get some of that, uh, the adhesive that melts and kind of comes out. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have smears and smudges of that color, especially if you're doing like a darker color, which you always really should be going light to dark mm-hmm. just for hiding. Good contrast, yeah. Um, but especially like blacks and stuff, you can... Well, I guess the blue is where I really noticed it when I was ironing the edge of the blue going over the red that you could see a lot of that blue was coming out. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't sweat it. Not at all. I The first time it happened to me, I was like, I ruined everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you easily can take it off with yep. that, uh, oh, what's it called? The, the oh, come on, help D-bonder? me out. 
What? Debonder works well for that. What's the bond? Oh, no, C-A-D that's D-bonder. not what I was talking oh. about, though. What's Acetone? The other? No, that's not it either. Trim What's, solvent. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Trim solvent is what I yeah. use. Um, Lighter fluid also works. Anything I think that's like an acetone type thing, isn't that? I think so. Kind of yeah. what it is. Yeah. Careful um, with acetone because acetone around certain plastics, you know, deforms it. But, uh, but yeah, CA debonder is what I use most. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very it's very easy on the surrounding surfaces, and no, it won't debond your cured CA joints. That's a common misconception. Not without a lot of work, I should say. I was going to say you might want to fix that yeah, one because it will. It will eventually with a lot of work, but just wiping off some Monaco with a little well. Rag saturated with it's not going to hurt it. And wiping off Monaco with that is not actually getting it down onto the wood. Exactly. So that's right. not a concern. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I use the the trim solvent stuff, and mm-hmm. that does a good job of it. Does it does a very good job. Um, that stuff's really expensive, though. Really? The the Are you talking about the top flight mm-hmm. trim solvent? Yeah, I think yeah. last time I saw the little, little glass jar of it, Yeah. if you could find one that's not half evaporated, because I don't think they make it anymore. But there's still a lot of it out in the shops. Of, of, I bought mine like six years ago, so yeah, I don't remember. Like mine, well, it, I've had a long time, but I remember like the first year I got it, half of it was like evaporated because I either the seal really? wasn't good on the lid, but yeah, it evap- evaporates really fast. But anyway, oh. yeah, I think it was like $12 or something for that little glass jar of it. I mean, it works great, but... Um, At the same time... That's last. I mean, it lasts forever. You really don't. You use don't it. use much of it. That's true. So because it doesn't bottle. take much. You don't have to wash the airplane. And you just take a paper towel, fold it over, dip it. You know, mm-hmm. or just put it over the hole and kind of shake it, and and that's usually enough to wipe off whatever you're going to. Quite get a off. bit. Yeah. yeah. So that's so. all I do with that, and that that works well. Yeah. And yeah, one bottle, like I said, is about six years old, and it's. I still haven't gone through very much of it. And it's one of the, it's the brown bottle. So, you know, it doesn't let the light go through and right. all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. It's technical. And it works well. Yeah, so it does. Something I forgot to mention, um, since we're going to be covering and you want nice crisp edges of your covering, you're going to need those two tools that you used for building also. You're going to need a straight edge and a sharp X-Acto knife. And I recommend buying those 100-blade packs yep. of number 11 blades for your knife handle, whatever you're using. Because yeah. you're going to go through a few of them on just a covering job. Several. Covering yeah, each through them. It really does. It's it's hard on those blades for some reason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, keep a good supply of those number 11 uh, blades. Yeah, and the sharper they are, the, the better they cut. That's true. And they won't tear. Yep. And you want to know what the most important tool of all is. Especially when it comes to covering. Your mind. Patience. Pa- Patience isn't a tool. It is a tool. It's not a tool. You're a tool. Maybe. Um, no, but patience because uh, covering is, uh, it takes it takes uh, practice. Um, very few people, well, I shouldn't say it that way. Um, covering is something that uh, doesn't come natural to a lot of folks. I remember the first time I covered an airplane on my own. Nightmare. <laughs> disaster. I hated covering really? for like the first, yeah, the first few airplanes until I got kind of, you know, my own techniques and stuff figured out. Um, yeah, covering was a, was a real challenge. And it, you know, as a kid, I didn't have a lot of patience. Not well, like I do yeah. now. As a kid, I didn't either. And, but, you know, like I always thought I did a fairly decent job with things. Um, and then you come over and, and make me feel as though I don't. So... <laughs> You know, well, I'm not, I don't, 
Well, I feel bad now because that's not my intent. My intent is the, you know, the just the banter. You know, I'm joking, right? Okay. I mean, even if you don't think I do well, a I good job. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Even if you don't think I do a good job, I don't care. Oh. No, I think you're doing a great job. I take that back. I do care a little bit. Yeah. I think but you're it's doing a okay. great job. Okay. I'm not asking for compliments. I'm just saying. Okay. You're critical. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be more critical. I'm trying to make you a better builder. That's how you learn, right? <laughs> Criticize me, but just in a little nicer way at times. Okay. No. Um, so building with balsa, that's that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, that's not really getting deep down into it. Right. Um, yeah, yeah we've only scratched the surface, really. Maybe one day we'll do a, a deep dive into building with balsa. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of depends on... Yeah, we've had a few survey submissions that, uh, that sort of indicated that... Yeah. Know, Somebody might be interested in in really getting the down and dirty on uh, building a balsa kit, but uh, hard to do on just with audio. So yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of the 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 crutch we're working with is it's you know it's hard to describe things very well. But yeah. we'll do our best, and maybe one of these days, like I said, we'll do a really deep dive into it. But uh, yeah, like this that. is this is just kind of a a ten foot view looking down on, on how you do things. But uh yeah. takeaways, don't don't be afraid of balsa. No, no, you know? not at all. It's uh it's very rewarding. It is. I believe to 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 build an airplane out of balsa. Yep. See that finished product actually out there on the in the grass on the flight line and flying. It's it's and when you build them and you know, actually build them out of balsa, cover them well. It's going to last, if you don't crash it, it's going to last. <laughs> and I, I say I like that, that just caveat. because, you know, that, that will end this, <laughs> it this sentence quickly. Sometimes. But they will last a long time. I mean, it's not like it's a, a plane that you're going to fly a couple times and then it's going to fall apart. So it is a little bit more expensive. I understand that fully than, than building with other materials. Right. Um, but they will last a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, perfect example, my, my old contender. That's the oldest plane I have in that. That thing has got to be at least 20 years old. Yeah. 15 for sure. still flies well. And it flies awesome. Yeah. And it still looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's on its third covering job. and. Um, but that speaks for the longevity of these right, things, though. Right. I mean, the really. The airframe itself is still yeah. as solid as it was the day I built it. Well, look at the Telemaster. That's probably, what, 25 or um, 30 years yeah. old? Yeah. And that was I built mean, by Hobby Lobby. Or yeah people who worked for Hobby Lobby. Well, right. Um, but yeah, we did very little repair work to any of the joints. Yeah, Most I of mean, the repair work we did was damage from... Somebody else. Yeah. Right. Um, and you can't Yeah, really, that airframe is very solid. Yeah, you can't blame the, the kit maker for that because nope. that's nothing they did. That's right. So... But yeah, that's a, that's a real... Like you said, that's a quick overview. Well, not so quick, I guess, but... Uh, that's an, an overview. overview <laughs> of uh, building with balsa. And it's so much fun. Okay. Well, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, I'm, uh, I think that does it for me. All right. Uh, well, everybody, reach out to us if you have any questions or anything. Yeah. Uh, fill out our listener survey. We're still wanting to get more responses on that to kind of see what you think of us. Yes, help um, us help you. There you go. <laughs> and also, hey, if, uh, if you got something that you're thankful for, be thinking about uh, Thanksgiving, and if you want to contact us and let us know what that is. We'd love to talk about it on maybe a Thanksgiving special. Yeah, I forgot about that. Good idea. Mm-hmm. All Sometimes right. it happens. Sometimes. All right. Until next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. We hope-
hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle. Thank you.